0: You're going to love this. Just love it. We'll see.
1: Buckle up.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight.
0: What did I I got the feeling that something right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And i want how i get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am,
3: stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, I'm stuck in the middle
0: with you Stuck in the middle with you and I'm Live from a sweltering yes, Los Angeles smile from my face. Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Plus, coast to coast and around the globe on KPFK.org, on the Stitcher app, on the TuneIn app, on the Progressive Voices channel, on Netroots Radio, Liberal Justice Radio, and now on iTunes. You can run, but you can't hide. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from Brad... Bradblog.com, your friendly citizen, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me. And, oh, by the way, Happy Racism Month. I had no idea. Seems like it comes earlier and earlier each year. Why, it was just Black History Month, and now it's apparently Racist Month course, this is America, where every month is Racist Month. Uh, Had I known, I would have prepared. Anyway, um, (laughs) perhaps we should just call it April Fool's Month and be done with it. That would take care of it. But on to things that matter today. Uh, A landmark federal ruling in Wisconsin on Republican photo ID uh, law on the the Republican photo ID law there, it will this ruling is big. It is sure to have an effect on similar federal federal cases now pending in Texas and North Carolina and most likely headed to the Supreme Court eventually. We'll talk a little bit about that today. Big news, big and very, very good news. So happy to lead off with that for a change. More on that in a bit. Also, I have been singing Obamacare's praises of late, at least as far as Uh, that it's working as Democrats intended it to, for good or bad, but as they intended it to, with millions of people signing up, having access to health care who did not previously have access to health care. And whether you like it or not, these are facts. And these are facts that I have argued Democrats ought to be uh, shouting from the rooftops and running with in 2014. And frankly, that's whether you like the law or not. Nonetheless, Democrats are still failing to embrace those successes as we barrel towards the 2014 uh, elections. Dr. Margaret Flowers will be joining us a little bit later. She's a great proponent of single-payer health care, as am I, by the way. And uh, she will uh, join us to tell me how I've gotten everything wrong on this. Looking forward to that and why she is a conscientious objector to the ACA The Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, which she describes as a scam. So she'll be with us in a bit to give me what for. Plus, Desi Doyen will be joining me for the Green News Report as usual this week as we celebrate the 60th anniversary of solar power with a really fun clip. From uh, from 1954 on, this when solar power was introduced, uh, that and a bunch of other important green news all ahead with Desi Doyen, and including, by the way, a very important uh, decision from the Supreme Court this week—a very good decision from the Supreme Court this week uh, concerning EPA regulations. Gosh, nothing but good news. How could we screw that up? Give me time. Uh, but first, before we get to all of that. Uh, Christina Tobin is the founder and chair of the Free and Equal Elections Foundation which famously sponsored the only 2012 presidential debate um, that actually bothered to invite all of the major candidates for president. It was hosted by Larry King, perhaps I should say not so famously since so few bothered to notice the debate featuring folks like the Green Party's Jill Stein, the Libertarian nominee, uh, Governor uh, Gary Johnson. I should note, by the way, that we did. We noticed it at bradblog.com. We ran uh, clips from that important debate that uh, couldn't have been less interesting, apparently, to the cable news outfits and the network news. Uh, Christina Tobin, as I said, is the founder of Free and Equal Elections Foundation, and they have their United We Stand Fest coming up at UCLA uh, Saturday, May 10th. Uh, and KPFK, I should disclose, is a media sponsor of that event, but it's not because of KPFK that I wanted to have Christina on to talk about this. Uh, well, let's bring her on. Christina Tobin, welcome to the broadcast.
1: Hi,
0: thanks you very much for having me. Uh, sure. Uh, really delighted to have you here. Uh, so give me an idea, what is, before I get to some specific questions for you, what is the United We Stand Fest at UCLA and uh, what will I be speaking about there? Because apparently uh, I'm on the, uh, on the schedule as well to speak that day.
1: Really excited to have you there. And Free and Equal Elections, uh, we're hosting the United We Stand Fest. Free and Equal, we're a non-profit, non grassroots organization. And our mission is to shift the power back to the individual voter through education. So what better way to do it than through music and energy and the arts and, you know, this whole left-right divide. Uh, we need to come together on the bigger issues, whether it's addressing topics like the NBAA, NSA, Patriot Act, and so on, war, drug war. Uh, here at Free and Equal Elections, we're offering that positive, powerful, peaceful flat- platform to do just that.
0: Um. And uh, we'll give folks some more information about that. They can check it out at UnitedWeStandFest.com. Again, that's Saturday, May 10th. Uh, But, Christina, I've uh, been reading over your uh, your materials. I saw you the other day on uh, Abby Martin's show on RT. Uh, You often talk about taking our government back. Uh, Take it back from who and for who?
1: Yes, Brad. You know I'm 32 years of age, and it's my destiny. You know I, I'm here to hopefully help create a better world. And our government, our system, is controlled by the powers to be—a few wealthy or so families—who use tools like the two-party system, the Federal Reserve, the Commission on Presidential Debates, and so on. The mainstream media. Hollywood. The list goes on and on music to intentionally divide us and create needless chaos throughout the world and I feel it 's my destiny to be I guess at the forefront of this movement it 's a humbling experience and um, yes, we did host the two thousand and twelve presidential debate moderated by Larry King and myself over tens of millions of people viewed that viewed that It was top ten trending on Twitter, and I realized we now have to create a platform we have to shift the market create. An alternative market, not only for the electoral arena where honest candidates can rise and truly have a free and equal chance of winning, uh, but also of uh, the music industry and so on. Hollywood. I mean, we really are at free and equal. I think the movement the world <laughs> is hoping will rise very quickly, and we sure are here at free and equal elections. And
0: but again, I, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, you you've talked about taking our government back, back from who, and yes. back for who.
1: Well, I mean, from the powers to be, uh, some say wealthy families out there, whether it's the Rockefeller Rothschilds, you know, I don't like to point fingers, I just like to fix it. Mm-hmm. And we the people, it's for us, you know, creating a bigger movement outside of the two-party system of honest candidates. And I think this movement, I foresee this movement igniting people engaged in the voting process, recognizing, you know, voter ID fraud isn't really the issue, it's election fraud, you know, from the gerrymandering to the um, uh, to uh, electoral fraud. Uh, topics, you know, that we need to address, um, that we need to come together and address that, you know, from soft, so, so, soft software, software, that is, excuse me, um, we're here to ignite an intellectual movement. The, the revolution will not be televised, it will be mobilized, and uh, we are excited to become that vessel of information. Christy... And of course- yeah, I stand best one of many things we have going on.
0: And uh, Christina, you talked about in the uh, 2012 debate. Uh, you had um, uh, Green Party's Jill Stein participated. Uh, Libertarian nominee G- uh, Gary Johnson participated. Who else participated in the 2012, 2012
1: debate? Um, we had Virgil Good uh, with oh, yeah. the Constitution Party and Rocky Anderson with the Justice Party. And I want to also uh, mention the Electoral College is another huge issue: voter fraud election fraud, that is. But those were the four candidates uh, that we had, and I can't wait to open it up. There are over 30 candidates that ran for president, but, you know, I recognize that we need to take it beyond the debates at Free and Equal, so we do anticipate uh, that we will be doing lots of debates throughout the U.S., We'll also do anticipate free and equal courses will evolve throughout all universities throughout the U.S., teaching our kids from within the system, and of course, uh, uh, we'll be a launching an election assistant that will list every single candidate uh, running for office, whether they're Democrat or Republican. I do foresee a huge shift towards independence rising um, uh, for uh, office in 2014, 16, and taking our government back, and I do see money and politics fading away as well. This movement... It's about bringing out accountability uh, throughout our government. And that is something that the people are really desiring, I feel, more than ever.
0: Christina, when it comes to, um, since we're talking about independent candidates and when it comes to, you know, so-called third-party candidates, I personally have long decried this uh, wasted vote theory that you hear so often, you know, in an election year. Oh, I don't want to vote for a third-party candidate because I'll be wasting my vote. As if you get a prize. For picking the winner of the election or something. It's not a wasted vote. Vote who you want to vote for or, frankly, don't vote at all if you don't want to. So, uh, you know, the idea that uh, voting for someone who's other than an R or a D is a waste seems like a self-defeating uh, uh, theory propagated by, of course, R's and D's. But now I don't know which of the two major parties, if either, uh, that you happen to lean towards. And frankly, I don't really care. But what do you say to people who charge that support for various independent and third party candidates only helps the other major party uh that you may not lean towards you know, republicans if you vote for a libertarian uh, democrats if you vote for a green uh what do you say to that uh criticism
1: well i would say as far as parties i'm truly an independent you know that said uh, let's not seek the Republican answer, the Democratic answer, but the right answer. And I worked nationally for Ralph Nader in 2008 and getting him on the ballot, an independent that uh, ran for office. I don't necessarily believe in all his views, but I believe in more voices and more choices. So as far as the party system, even third parties, I personally feel that even as third parties become larger, they inevitably become infiltrated at the national level because parties attract people who want power. So Independence are the future. The whole wasted vote theory, if and when we have a platform and I believe free and equal elections is going to be just that, uh, that makes it easy for people to know what candidate they're voting for and they can't hide behind super PACs and money in politics and again our election system will achieve just that. Um, the whole wasted vote theory, the election fraud problem is an issue. is our vote counting as it should? Probably not. Is that going to change? Yes. And I always like the message don't give up. If you give up, the system wins. That's what they want. And we cannot give up. I am relentless. I am <laughs> a very realistic uh, optimist. And you know what? There is no other way because the other way is a scary way. And um, I realize what I'm doing and putting my face out there and being a part of this movement. But for me, there was no other choice. And I really hope uh, people get to check us out at free and equal, equal I will not sell out to the big corporations. We're working with socially conscious uh, companies like David Bronner's Magic Soaps and Nature's, Organ- Nature's Food Organic and the list goes on and on. Marley's Coffee now and Ben and & Jerry's they've got non-GMO fair tra- trades are transitioning so these are the kind of companies that are supporting us as well as the
0: made individual. And, and what do you say to uh, folks, because you talk about not giving up, there's a lot of people out there who say voting makes no difference. The system is rigged for the two-party duopoly anyway. Uh, why bother? Why encourage them by voting? Uh, do you think people should vote or should they sit out? I, you know, I, I support whatever, frankly, whatever they decide to do. My opinion is... You're handing it to the bad guys, whoever you may see as the bad guys, when you don't vote. Uh, But what about those people who are checking out of the system, saying uh, voting doesn't matter, elections make no damn difference at this point?
1: I don't hold it against them yet, but in the future I will, because there's going to be a change. You know, groups like Rock the Vote and Headcount.com are um, endorsing, uh, sponsoring our festival, but um, the system, you know... (laughs) run for office. You know, at 27 years of age, I ran for Secretary of State in California and I was forced to run as a libertarian because it took, you know, 300 signatures versus over a hundred thousand signatures to run as an independent. But running for office, get involved. I mean, one of our keynote speakers for the fest is Mary Ann Williamson, a spiritual author. I mean, what an amazing woman! And she stepped out of her comfort—well, maybe not her comfort zone—but she's now running for Congress in California's 33rd as an independent. Mm-hmm. And if she wins this, uh, you know, fall that will be truly revolutionary. So I'm a huge supporter of independence, whether it's the Ralph Nader, Marianne Williamson, and you know, leaders like Nader and Dr. Ron Paul and Jesse Ventura have paved the way for this movement and I've been an advocate for addressing electoral fraud for 15 years, since 17 years of age, when I saw my dad wrongfully knocked off the ballot in Illinois for governor as a third-party candidate. And I just won't take a stand for that. I'm here to fight against corruption and bring about integrity and accountability within not only our electoral process, but all the other industries, media and Hollywood and and so on. So I'm excited to Hopefully, travel throughout the world, with minded leaders.
0: Excellent. Uh, thank you, Christina Tobin. And I think the uh, "United We Stand" fest will be uh, traveling around the country after it's uh, done here in UCLA. At UCLA, am I correct about that?
1: That's correct. This is a kickoff for ten-stop university bus tour, and tickets are seven dollars and seventy-six cents. Uh, you can go ahead and, and purchase one today, and that would be a great way to support a great cause. I think they're 50% off now. I want to give them away for free, ideally, but um, but we'll see. And so yes, this is the kickoff for a tour across the country, 10 stop 10 stop university bus tour throughout to. 2015. We are here to stay, and I'm so happy to have you be a part of this, Brad. And yeah, as you mentioned before, Larry King's a keynote speaker, Public Enemy, Chuck D. of Public Enemy, Professor Griff, DJ Lord, amazing guys, to Amber Lyon, to Sean Stone, Oliver Stone, to founders of Wu-Tang Clan, Immortal uh, Tech, Brother Ali. I mean, the kids are going to love this, and And we have just such an amazing roster. David Bronner, Bronner's Magic Soap, Ben & Jerry's. I mean, such a diverse... Ice
0: cream? Will there be free ice cream?
1: (laughs) There will be free ice cream. There will be free soap. There will be Marley's coffee. There will be nature, organic food. All
0: right. Then I'm coming. And your phone broke up a little bit when you said that the tickets were $17.76. Smartly done. Uh, Check out uh, unitedwestandfest.com and freeandequal.org where Christina Tobin is the founder and chair of the Free and Equal Elections Foundation. Uh, The event, again, is May 10 at UCLA, and I will be speaking there about some thing uh, but come anyway it'll be really great Christina Tobin uh, good luck to you and uh, thanks again for what you're doing and for not giving up the fight greatly appreciated
1: (laughs) thanks for having me and uh, Tom Morello and Serge you're invited so I hope they can make it out and lots of love I love you KPFK you rock
0: well done Christina thanks a bunch Mm -hmm. we'll see you in uh, a week or so Okay, uh, yeah, see, we fight for elections year-round here. It's not just the weeks before Election Day. It's not just about the politics. It's not just about the horse race. It is, as I've said many times, about the track conditions on which the horses are running. And to that end, uh, as promised, a big, big victory uh, this week up in Wisconsin in a federal court in Wisconsin Where Judge Lynn Edelman struck down that state's Republican photo ID polling place photo ID restriction that was passed by uh, Scott Walker and his Republican uh, bunch of gangsters up there in the in the uh, in the Wisconsin legislature. That law had been challenged at the state level; it had lost at the state level. It's currently pending before the. Uh, The state uh, Supreme Court up there, it had lost under the uh, state constitution. This, however, this ruling was in federal court, and this is important uh, for the entire country. There are currently federal challenges against uh, photo ID restrictions passed by Republicans down in Texas and in North Carolina, uh, under the Voting Rights Act's Section 2. And the reason why this, uh, this this ruling in Wisconsin yesterday was so important is because it is the first time a polling place photo ID law has been struck down under Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Prior to this, uh, these laws had been challenged, uh, for example, down in Texas uh, by the federal government. They had been... Uh, uh, struck down previously under Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act, but that is the section of the Voting Rights Act that the Supreme Court killed last summer gutted, essentially gutted that section. Section five allowed uh, challenges to these laws before they were enacted. So in the case, for example, of Texas, Texas, the Texas Republicans down there pass a law that is going to discriminate against minorities, against students, against elderly people. And then they have to go and show how that won't be the case to the Department of Justice, who looks at the uh, Texas statistics and finds out whether this law will be discriminatory or not before that law is put into place. That was Section 5. Section 5 applied to only uh, a few jurisdictions, a bunch of states in the south. And it kept these laws from going into place before they could affect voters. That was important. That was a key part of the Voting Rights Act. And that is the part that was essentially struck down by the Supreme Court last year because the Supreme Court said, oh, we don't need to worry about uh, racism and discrimination. That's so old. That's so 1965. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, And they said basically the list of jurisdictions, the formula used to determine uh, the list of jurisdictions where Section 5 would apply That list uh, was discriminatory in and of itself. Congress has to go away, do it again, come back with another uh, way to figure out which uh, jurisdictions will fall under Section 5. And uh, Congress, of course, can't do nothing. They can't do anything. So using that preclearance that the Department of Justice used to have for now can't be done to stop these laws. And, of course, once that happened, Texas enacted a law like this. North Carolina enacted a law like this, even though these very laws, the one in Texas, for example, had been struck down under Section 5. But now we ain't got Section 5. But we do have Section 2. Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act applies in all 50 states. It prohibits discrimination in all 50 states. And for the first time, it was used to challenge a photo ID restriction. Uh, The ACLU filed this federal case up in Wisconsin, uh, and the difference is that with Section 2, you have to wait until the law is already enacted, until it's already in place, until it's already in force. And you have to then show that people have, in fact, been discriminated uh, with this law. And that's exactly what the ACLU. They did it on behalf of uh, the lead plaintiff. Plaintiff was a woman by the name of Ruth L. Frank, who was 83 years old. She was an elected official uh, in one of the towns there up in Wisconsin. Uh, she has been voting since uh, forever. <laughs> what was it? It hasn't missed an election. Uh, since was it 1948, every single election. But now, since she has to get a photo ID in Wisconsin, she's in danger of not being able to vote. Why? Because she doesn't have a photo ID. She never drove. She was born at home. So she doesn't have a birth certificate. She did find uh, however that her name was in the uh, register of deeds up there in Wisconsin, but it would cost her 20 bucks to get a copy of that so she could get her birth certificate. So then she could so th- she could then get her free photo ID, all of which she must do without being able to drive. Remember, she can't drive, she doesn't drive. But that's not the worst of it. In fact, it's not just going to cost her $20 to get the so-called free ID. The Register of Deeds in Wisconsin had misspelled her name, so her ID would be in the wrong uh, spelling. She still wouldn't be able to vote even if she spent the $20 to get the birth certificate, to get the free ID in order to be able to vote. But don't worry, she can change the name in the Register of Deeds. That will only cost her $200. So this 84-year-old woman who doesn't drive, who has never missed an election in her life, has to spend $200 to change her name in the Register of Deeds so she can get a copy of her birth certificate, which will cost her $20, so she can then get her so-called free ID so that she can cast a vote like she has for the last 60 years. Ruth L. Frank was just one of some 17 plaintiffs named in uh, in the suit by the ACLU. Judge Edelman found that it is absolutely clear that Act 23, that's the Republicans' uh, photo ID law up in Wisconsin, will prevent more legitimate votes from being cast than fraudulent votes being cast. Uh, He found that the law was a violation of the Constitution's 14th Amendment as well as Section 2 of the Voting Rights Act. Uh, The judge found that 300,000 registered voters in Wisconsin, or roughly 9% of registered voters, lacked the government-issued ID required by the state to cast a ballot. To put this into context, Edelman wrote, In 2010, the race for governor, Governor Scott Walker, in Wisconsin was decided by 124,000 votes. The race for U.S. senator was decided by 105,000 votes. Yet 300,000 registered voters in Wisconsin lack the type of I.D. that would be needed to vote under these laws. Uh, Thus, he wrote, the number of registered voters who lack a qualifying I.D. is large enough to change the outcome of Wisconsin elections. And this is the case everywhere. This is the case in all of these uh, cases. And frankly, even if it uh, wouldn't affect enough voters to flip an election, It shouldn't affect any voters. Why are any voters having their rights removed when we are not protecting some other greater interest, like, oh, voter fraud, which, as the judge found, there was no uh, voter impersonation fraud that would have been deterred in the state of Wisconsin in recent memory. By this uh, by this law. but by, by the way, uh, Scott Walker, the governor there, happens to be facing election re-election in uh, 2014. He has said that this law, if it was um, not uh, as I said it was the state court had already found it unconstitutional according to the state Constitution. He said if the Supreme Court upheld that ruling, This would be the only issue, quote, pressing enough to call for a special session of the state legislature to rewrite the bill. Because it was such an emergency, Scott Walker really, really, really needed this law back in in place before the 2014 election. Well, that just got a hell of a lot harder because now it's not only a violation of the state constitution. It is, according to this district uh, federal district court judge, a violation of the federal constitution, the 14th Amendment, as well as the Voting Rights Act, which uh, Section 2 can now be used uh, to, to overturn uh, these photo ID laws. Undoubtedly, this uh, this law will be uh, this. The ruling yesterday will be challenged uh, on a higher at a higher court on appeal. As I say, similar cases are now being brought against uh, photo ID laws in North Carolina, in Texas. The ACLU uh, also has a federal case against the Arkansas photo ID law, which was just struck down last week, also by a state court down there in Arkansas under the Arkansas Constitution. So uh, we're going to see more on this in the days ahead. But this is undeniably an important uh, uh, ruling. A landmark ruling and uh, may very well be a precedent-setting ruling that is going to affect these uh, laws in states, all 50 states in the Union. Uh, So way to go, Wisconsin. Some good news for a change. Let's hope it continues that way. But uh, for now, uh, we'll take that victory in Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Yeah, we don't play nearly enough football fight songs on this show. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Dr. Dr. Margaret Flowers will be joining me to tell me why, why I'm completely wrong about Obamacare. All of that is straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Stay tuned. Bibliocracy, biblio, book, crassy, rule, where books rule.
3: The ink is black, the page is white.
0: Like my theme song, the ink is black, the page is white, together we learn to read and write. Fiction, nonfiction, poetry, I share the best of what I read. Writers you know, some you should. The words stand out, so clear and bright. Wednesday nights at 8, Bibliocracy on KPFK.
2: Hi, I'm Layla. And I'm Mikhail. Grow your wings and enjoy your personal flight. We are your warm blanket for the soul. Feel, Feel, think, think, and and grow show. show bi-monthly on? Archive.kpfk.org.
0: Hey, Leila, what are people saying about our
2: wings on the poster? Well, Mikhail, they say we look like an intelligent furry twin moth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got
0: Yes, I do. Welcome back to your broadcast on Pacifica Radio's KPFK. I'm Brad Friedman of bradblog.com. By the way, you can tweet me anytime, day or night at the I'd love to hear from you there. As I have recently heard from Dr. Margaret Flowers, who will be joining us momentarily, I have been uh, for many weeks on this show and at the blog at bradblog.com uh, talking about Obamacare and, frankly, the success of Obamacare, the success in the law doing what it was designed to do, which was to help people who uh, were, were previously unable to get health care, access to health care, get that access to health care. Uh, millions, 15 million, I think we're now up to between uh, the, the exchanges, the expansion of Medicaid, uh, kids who can stay on their parents' uh, plan. Uh, the law in that regard, is working. Now, from the beginning, I have never been a fan of this law. Uh, at Bradblog.com, we were sort of relentless during the process of the law being passed, calling for single-payer, calling for Medicare for all, uh, decrying the Democrats, uh, who seem to have rolled over, uh, You know, wouldn't even consider a public option, much less single-payer, Yet, now that the law is in place, I've talked about it on the show, it's going to save me about 3600 bucks a year. Um, a lot of people I know who couldn't get uh, health insurance before can now get it. So on that level, I think it's successful. Does it need to be better? Yes. But on that level, I think it's successful. Well, disagreeing with me uh, uh, frequently whenever I talk uh, along those lines is Dr. Margaret Flowers, a great activist. She's a pediatrician from Baltimore. She left her private practice in 2007 to advocate full time for a single payer health care system at both the state and national level. She now coordinates PopularResistance.org. She co-directs It's Our Economy.us and co-hosts Clearing the Fog on We Act Radio. Uh, and she is a self-described conscientious objector to the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare. And of course, uh, she thinks I'm all wrong about this. So let's find out why. Dr. Margaret Flowers, welcome to the broadcast.
2: Thank you for inviting me, Brad.
0: Really glad you were able to join me. Uh, all right, Margaret. Uh, well, let's just start. You, you've 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 tweeted me several times. You said insurance is not the same as access to health care uh, and that the only ones celebrating Obamacare are rich insurance investors. So, where do I have it wrong? What am I not getting right on uh, on on this whole Obamacare thing?
2: Hey, right, so the um, this is kind of a classic neoliberal model of policy that is designed to. Um, shift more of our public dollars into the private industry and overall privatize our health care system. So this is a huge transfer of our public dollars to subsidize the purchase of private insurance companies love. Their stocks have doubled, um, but there's no guarantee that having that insurance means that people are going to be able to get access to the health care they need. In fact, the insurance companies have been uh, exploiting loop- loophole- loopholes in the law and um, so that they could get around, you know, continue to get around paying for actual health care and do what they typically do, which is to hang on to as much of the
0: and you're you're breaking up just a little bit there, uh, Margaret, so hopefully, hopefully you can hear me, uh, and I should offer a correction. I had said 15 million who have obtained health care via the program to date. In fact, it's actually 19 million who have obtained health care uh, to date. Uh, did we lose her again? Oh, shoot, we lost her. Uh, okay, let's get her back on. Um, so 19 million have obtained health care via Obamacare to date. About 10 million of those, or perhaps more, according to another study, uh, did not have health insurance previously. And there are still, on top of that, some 5.7 million who are currently eligible. Uh, for the Medicaid expansion under Obamacare, but they aren't allowed uh, to receive that health care access because they live in states where there happens to be Republicans in charge. So, with that said, I think we got Margaret back on the line. Um, You talked, Margaret, about uh, people having... that. In fact, even though they have health care insurance under Obamacare, they may still not have access to health care. Please explain that to me.
2: Right. Okay, so... Um, we've tried this for decades. We've tried to regulate insurance companies to get them to actually um, make health, you know, the bottom line, not profits. It's not possible to do. Every time we try to regulate them, they find ways to get around that. So, um, for example, in this uh, health law, it says that you can't deny policies to people with pre existing conditions. So that sounds great and everybody's celebrating. But in reality, what the insurance companies are doing is they're leaving out Major medical centers, leaving cancer centers out of the plans on the exchanges. So the people who have cancer, if they know about it, they know that that cancer cancer center is not included. They're not going to buy that policy. So it's a way the insurance companies avoid people that are sick.
0: Can't they buy one? Um, can't they, they buy they like, a different policy uh, that that does include that particular cancer center? In that
2: case. They, they can try to, but, you know, you can't buy your policy based on your illness. It just, you know, it doesn't work that way. We can't predict what our needs are going to be in the future. And actually, um, there was a study done looking at the Massachusetts Exchange, and it showed how different plans were better based on what illness you have. But people aren't sophisticated enough to figure that out. So I think what's one of the worst pieces is what the insurance companies are doing is creating what are called narrow networks that leave out 30% of local hospitals and ultra narrow networks that leave out seventy percent. So if you get sick and you know, or you get into an accident, you're taken to a hospital, or you need to go to a hospital that's not in your network, you have to pay for all of the care. So basically, what the bottom line is that we haven't changed the behavior of the insurance companies. It's still a game. There's still barriers to care, and even though people have insurance either because the hospital's not in their plan or because of the out-of-pocket cost they have to pay up front. People in this country are going to still self-ration. They're going to not get those prescriptions filled, not go to the doctor, not get a test or a treatment because of the cost. And that's that's not the solution that we
0: need, and 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 I would agree that it is a huge giveaway uh, to the uh, private insurance industry, which, uh, by the way, has no damn business being in uh, the insurance, uh, the, the health insurance in business right? at all. That's right. It's obscene that they are profiting off of our illness. I couldn't uh, agree with you more on that. That said. If you have 19 million people who are getting health care via this program, 10 million uh, who had no health insurance previously, and a Congress uh, that, uh, frankly, uh, can't do anything at this point, much less make this law better, Uh, isn't this for now? Shouldn't we be trying to fix this law, trying to make it better rather than uh, undermining it. I know that you're uh, a conscientious objector. I presume that means you're not going to buy health insurance under uh, Obamacare?
2: I will not buy private health insurance and I won't pay a tax subsidy that's going to be used to go to that industry. I can't be giving my money to the industry that I'm trying to get rid of. Um, but you know, but, So if this law was a step in the right direction if it was something that could be fixed uh, and made into a system that actually will improve our health care outcomes in this country, allow people to have access to affordable care, allow them to not worry about losing their home or going bankrupt if they get sick, I would support it. But it's a step in the opposite direction. It's actually a piece of legislation that was designed First by President Nixon, and then in the Heritage Foundation, mm-hmm. it was embraced by Newt Green- Gingrich. Mm-hmm. President Bush almost introduced it. The first one. This is a this is a very conservative, neoliberal privatization, handing over our healthcare system to the private industries. It's not anywhere a step in the direction that we need to be going, and it's actually undermining our public insurances as well. So um, I can't support that. I think people have been really fooled because it was a Democratic Congress and president that passed this piece of legislation that people think, well, then it must be a step in the right direction. But it just isn't. Well,
0: let me say this. I I completely agree with you on all of those points. These are things that we echoed uh, on this show and at uh, Bradblog.com as the law was passing. I don't believe it's the job of uh, you know advocates like yourself uh, to compromise. It is your job uh, and our job, the, those of us who give a damn about this, to call for, you know for, for the enti- for the best plan possible, for the best law possible, which would be uh, some form. I think of a single payer uh, plan, a Medicare for all type plan to not compromise on that. Let the politicians compromise. Let them give up stuff. They can't wait to give up stuff uh, in in exchange. So I understand that call uh, Mm -hmm. to to not be compromising. That said, now that the law is in place uh, as a medical doctor, You've got uh, you know 10 million people so far who have access to health care. You say it's not good enough access. It may cost them too much, but they have access to health care. How can you justify, uh, Margaret Flowers, how can you justify... Being a conscientious objector, telling other people they should not sign up for insurance, they should not have the access to health care that they can now have that they could not have before. How does that how does that make any sense?
2: Well, I never asked anybody to join me in being a conscientious objector. Uh, this was a decision that I made personally, and when other people found out that I had made that decision, they themselves or they knew others who were doing the same thing, and they asked me to go public so that those who were making that decision didn't feel that they were, you know, alone. Um, you continue to say that health people have access to health care, but we don't have evidence of that yet. Um, that people who have insurance are going to be able to afford the health care that they need. We look at Massachusetts, where um, we continue to see people facing financial barriers to care, medical debt, medical bankruptcy. A recent study showing that even having a high income and being insured was not protective against medical debt. So here we have a system where people have insurance, they have high out-of-pocket costs, more than 80% of people purchase the lower-tier plans, Um, The bronze and silver and catastrophic plans that have very high co-pays and deductibles in this current economic environment, people just don't have the money on hand to pay those thousands of dollars out before their their care kicks in. And I think one thing to me that seems kind of cool is that uh, the the, the health law requires covering preventative services, you know, so you can get screening tests and things to find out if you have a health problem, but then there's no guarantee once you find out that you're going to be able to get the care that you need for that health problem. And I think we have to look at the big picture, that this is not controlling our health care costs. It's privatizing our system. It's taking us in the wrong direction. So even if some people are helped, that's a good thing. Overall, it's taking us in the wrong direction.
0: Uh, Are you in favor of the millions of Americans who now have access to health care via Medicare, via the expansion of uh, uh, Medicaid, I should say? Uh, 5.7 million still remain eligible for the expanded Medicaid uh, coverage, uh, I want to say, what is it, 3 million, 3 million, have already have access to health care via the Medicaid expansion from Obamacare. Are you in favor of that uh, section of the law? And if so, um, if you're calling this a scam, I presume you'd like to see it repealed. Does that mean you would like to also see these millions of people who are uh, have at least Medicaid that they should lose their insurance? And uh, in I don't a advocate
2: for anybody losing anything that they have right now. But I mm-hmm. think that we've got to understand what's going on. And and the reason that, you know, we wrote I think you're referring to an article that we wrote maybe that called um, calling Obamacare a scam is that people were fooled into giving up their power during this health reform process. Uh, people were told that this is what's on the table and there were a lot of progressive groups and labor unions and there was tens of millions of dollars spent to divert people's attention away from fighting for what eighty percent of Democrats and two thirds of our population already supported of Medicare for all. There was a people did not realize because of all of the misinformation that fighting for a public option was a was a ruse in one you know, on one hand, it was never meant to be in the final legislation and it wasn't a solution. On the other hand, it wouldn't have worked to solve our health care crisis. So what's important right now moving forward is that we understand that to get real health reform, we're never going to we we shouldn't wait for it to be put on the table. We have to put it on the table, and we've got to understand what actually works and what doesn't. A universal, publicly financed, high quality health care system, is what we need right now, and we're already paying for it in this country. We can afford it right now, and we have to build a demand for it.
0: And how do you see that happening in the the last minute or two we have left? How do you see that happening uh, with this particular Congress who could barely get this uh, terrible health care law passed? How do you see a a better, a single-payer system getting passed Whether it's right now or any time in the near future, in this particular, uh, in this particular Congress that is deadlocked, can't even raise um, a minimum, can't even have a discussion about raising uh, the minimum wage, as uh, Republicans uh, killed the ability to even debate the minimum wage uh, this afternoon. How do you see that moving forward?
2: I think you know. I think back about um, Nixon was the one who ended the Vietnam War. He was the one that created the EPA and OSHA. He did that because of of Social movements that forced him to do that. So I think, in in three quick words, to be independent of political parties, so that we're not tying our agenda to a political party. We're clear, you know, we we're tying our agenda to what the agenda is. We need a healthcare system that works. We have to be clear about what it is that works, so we don't get fooled by these laws. And we have to be uncompromising in that demand, so that we use our people-powered movement to force some members in office to do the right thing. And we can do that. It's happened before, but it takes a lot of work.
0: Are there any champions on the ballot uh, in 2014 uh, who who you would support of any party uh, to take care of, uh, to move this ball forward as it needs to be moved forward?
2: I think any independent candidates, you have to think about um, the time of abolition when we had two pro-slavery parties and it took independent parties to push uh, an anti-slavery agenda. Right now we have two corporate political parties And so we have to push from the independent parties that represent the agenda that we support in order to affect political
0: change. Margaret, I really appreciate uh, the advocacy you're doing and uh, you're taking the time to talk to us today and you're holding my feet to the fire, whether it's on Twitter or anywhere else. And actually, had it not been such a uh, stupid, busy Newsweek uh, this week, I'd hope to have you on for longer and take some calls on this because I'm sure there's a lot of folks uh, who who may uh, feel the same as you do or may uh, disagree. Uh, That conversation I hope will continue in the future. In the meantime, uh, you can find Margaret Flowers at popularresistance.org and on the Twitters at mflowers8. That's the number eight, mflowers8. You can give her or me what for on the Twitters because that's what it's for. Uh, Margaret, really appreciate you joining us here today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Brad.
0: All right. Dr. Margaret Flowers, check out her work at popularresistance.org and on Clearing the Fog on We Act Radio, which she co-hosts with uh, Kevin Zeiss, another great activist who's been on here uh, on this show many times. Uh, Before we get to the green news, uh, very quickly, a a sad word uh, about our friend Tim Carpenter, uh, who founded... Progressive Democrats of America, and as long as, by the way, we are speaking about single-payer health care, Tim uh, Carpenter and PDA were were and are still uh, great advocates. Uh, for Medicare for all, unrelenting advocates for Medicare for all—they uh, continue that fight, even though we lost Tim this week. Uh, he was indefatigable, uh, frankly. Uh, his his work uh, with PDA, uh, in addition to what they did on uh, on Medicare for all, they fought against every goddamn war in this country uh, that this country was involved in. They fought for peace. And uh, closest perhaps even to my heart was the fact that PDA was relentless and is relentless uh, in their fight for election integrity. Uh, Very sad that we lost Tim Carpenter. He was amazingly kind uh, to me and an amazingly hard worker and a great advocate, a great progressive advocate for this nation. You can learn more about Progressive Democrats of America, which will continue on at uh, pdamerica.org. Tim, thank you, buddy. Sorry we lost you. All right. Let's do some green news. Desi Hey Desi Doyen joins us as always to uh, to cheer us up isn't that <laughs> isn't that ironic that i always turn to you and yeah. the green news report to cheer us up
3: yeah that is ironic because <laughs> there are things it and, it and you know i just work. want to say one quick thing about yeah. tim carpenter yeah. um i once told him he was the antidote to cynicism <laughs> because he was i was in a very bad place and he was just he he was so inspirational and so tireless and i said you know you are the antidote to cynicism and he said you know what desi Cynicism is easy. Progress is hard. Get to work. Very nice. You're right.
0: (laughs) I'm just amazed to hear that you were cynical. That's uh, (laughs) not the Desi Doyen I know. Um, Do I have time? Let me play this really, really quick uh, before we get to the green news. Uh, A few weeks ago, we played this clip of the six Colorado Senate candidates who all deny climate change uh, at this uh, debate in Colorado. Let's play this again. Uh, The the Republican candidates for Senate in Colorado uh, asked about climate change.
1: Do you believe our planet is being impacted by man-made global warming? Ken? No.
0: No. No. Tom? No.
3: Amy? No. Floyd, Definitely not. Mark?
0: No. Every single one of them, Desi. Now in North Carolina, we have four Senate candidates, all Republicans, who also did the same exact thing. Clip number two, G.
3: Is climate change a fact? (laughs) Mr. Harris?
2: No. Ms. Grant? No. Mr. Brandon. No, God, the closer trying that. To... Mr. Tillis. No. No.
0: By the way, it's 97 degrees today in Los Angeles. 97 degrees.
3: Yeah, that's not weird at all.
0: Let's play the latest Green News report. Entire towns flatten and homes and
3: businesses shredded. Deadly tornado outbreak rips across the South, but safer building codes still stalled by lawmakers. Good news for those who breathe, the U.S. Supreme Court upholds EPA pollution standards. California now 100% in drought, so Governor attacks homeowners associations, plus... Presto! The motor starts running with the efficiency of an automobile, and nothing is used up but the sunshine, which is free. Well, I'll be darned. Happy 60th birthday, Solar Energy.
0: All of that and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. It's only a matter of time now before we learn that solar power relies on clubbing baby seals. Of course it does. Am I right, ExxonMobil? This is your Green News Report.
3: Those shiny panels are made from the gleam in their eyes.
0: Okay, Desi Doyen, some business here before we begin. First, we welcome aboard our newest affiliate partner, the Progressive Radio Network. Hello, Progressive Radio Network. The Green News Report is proud to be on PRN. You can check them out at prn.fm or listen to the Progressive Radio Network on TuneIn. Number two... All this week in Los Angeles, it is in the 90s. That is 20 degrees higher than the average high for this time of year. Global warming? Don't know. Why worry? Finally, some serious business as this outbreak of tornadoes across the U.S. over the weekend.
3: Yeah, tornado season is off to a deadly start. The severe storm system is still wreaking havoc across the eastern half of the nation this week. The spate of tornadoes so far has already killed 30 people in six states and injured hundreds. One local TV meteorologist was forced to evacuate the studio live on air in Tupelo, Mississippi, in the middle of their tornado coverage. Everybody beats it now. Basement now. Go! What? Okay, now! Forecasting technologies have improved immeasurably in recent years and provided some areas up to 30 minutes of warning for this outbreak. But tornado warnings aren't much help if there's no safe shelter to evacuate to. New policies to boost resilience against extreme weather events, like updated building codes and funding to help communities build storm shelters, have stalled in Congress and in state legislatures, like Oklahoma, where the state legislature this year voted against funding for storm shelters in schools even after being hit by multiple record deadly tornadoes. They
0: still haven't voted for shelters? This is amazing to me. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. We used to get tornado warnings all the time. We could go down into the basement, which was frightening enough. I can't imagine the people in Oklahoma and Texas where they don't have basements in their houses. They've got nowhere to go.
3: The risk of violent tornadoes does appear to be increasing, but a lack of historical records means there's just not enough data on how climate change is affecting the ingredients of tornadoes. The U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday upheld a critical clean air standard that will protect people in 28 states from toxic air pollution. The justices upheld the EPA's cross-state air pollution rule that requires polluting power plants in the South and the Midwest to reduce their toxic smog that blows across state borders into downwind states. Two
0: justices, Scalia and Thomas, were both against this. Apparently, they feel it's fine to pollute the air in one state and let it go to another state. And hey, that's your Problem.
3: Record drought intensifies In California.
0: Tell me about it
3: Governor Jerry Brown has issued a second Drought disaster declaration After the U.S. Drought Monitor declared 100% of the state now Officially in moderate to extreme drought While the drought is raising food prices And intensifying conflict between Farmers and the fracking industry Over water usage, Governor Brown Reserved special criticism for Homeowners associations, telling them to Stop levying fines against homeowners Whose lawns have turned brown because they refused to waste the state's drinking water on watering their grass.
0: During the worst drought in recorded history in California. <laughs> right. Got it. Finally. Well, the science boys have come up with a sunshine kick that makes electricity out of your sunlight. You mean the solar battery? Yeah. Doc, that's big news.
3: April marks the 60th birthday of solar energy. The first ever practical solar cell was presented to the world by Bell Labs 60 years ago in April 1954 and explained in this vintage educational film discovered by Peter Sinclair of ClimateCrocs.com.
0: They'll have to build efficient generators that spread out over acres, even square miles, to compete with the cheap coal and oil still available to us. The answer must be sun power from our Mr. Sun.
3: Yep, even in 1954, they foresaw conflict with cheap fossil fuels. Now the solar industry is booming around the world and almost equal to or cheaper than fossil fuels in generating electricity.
0: It's a great little uh, video, a great find by Peter Sinclair. We'll have the entire clip up at our website, greennews.bradblog.com, and it stars Eddie Albert of Green Acres fame. (laughs)
3: A very young Eddie Albert.
0: Indeed. Hilarious. For much more on that and the stories we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us and follow us on the Facebook and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Fresh air. Times Square. You are my wife. Goodbye, city life. Green Air. a film waste presentation darling
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, people of a certain age will get that Definitely
0: You're saying you're old Aren't yeah, you Yeah I am <laughs> Yeah you're kind of old uh, You can uh, download Our Green News reports Anytime via iTunes Stitcher or TuneIn We do two of them a week We only get to play One of them here So uh, please stop by iTunes Give us a good review if you, if you don't mind When you download All of our shows Coming up tomorrow On the Green News report Oh yeah
3: We'll have the oil train Derailment that exploded And caught fire And dumped oil Into the river In downtown Lynchburg Virginia And also uh, an explosion In Texas At an oil well that killed two people today, unfortunately Banner day for oil, thanks Fossil yeah, Fuels Yeah,
0: thanks Fossil Fuels, uh, well done uh, Thank you Desi Doyen, our producer My thanks to our soundboard operator, G Of course to my guest, Christina Tobin Of freeandequal.org Dr. Margaret Flowers of popularresistance.org Stay tuned for John Wiener And the 4 o'clock report He will be joined by Sandra Singh Low, The madwoman in the Volvo And her year of raging hormones Tune in to find out What that's about Uh, We'll be back with you soon. Until then, you can always find me on the Twitters at TheBradBlog and, of course, at BradBlog.com. Good night, America.